Hey there, everybody. It's Tracy with the Everybody Counts podcast. I'm excited to share our interview with law enforcement consultants, Mitzi Roberts and Tim Marsha. Both have been working with Michael Conley and consulting on the show for many years now and have also consulted in regard to his writing as well. And most of you probably know that Mitzi herself is the inspiration for the character of Renee Ballard. So these two have contributed greatly to the Bosch world that we see on TV and in the books, and not to mention all the great work they have done with the LAPD for many, many years. So we are grateful for that. Now, before we get into the interview, there's a little confusion on Jay's part about whether this will be his first time talking to them, but we'll see what they have to say about that. No doubt I've spoken with Mitzi and Tim before, and every time I walk away feeling inspired and grateful for the work that they do. And somehow they seem to keep a great sense of humor throughout the high pressure careers that they've held. Plus we get to benefit from their expertise on Bosch. So it's a win-win for us all. So now it's time to hear from Mitzi and Tim. All right, well, we've got some good questions, I think, for you all, and we're so glad that you are taking this time. I know it's a lot to ask to take some weekend time, so really appreciate it. But Jay, do you think we should mention the elephant in the room? I mean, I know they don't know, but it feels kind of crowded in here. Go ahead. Well, Jay, he is so fond of you guys and so inspired by you that he seems to have implanted in his brain a memory of interviewing you before. But (laughs) for the record, have you spoken with this man before? I think we were on once before. Oh, boy, I'm telling you. No, we were on with Tracy. We were on with Tracy and Jay. Were we on with Tracy and Jay? I know that Tim and I were interviewed for sure by Tracy, have you guys been doing it as a pair? We've been doing it as a pair for some time, but that was at that that first interview when I spoke with you all, he was so excited to be on it, but he couldn't if something happened. And so he wasn't able to join. And then I was like, okay, well, then I interviewed Mitzi with some some women about the book. And that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. But Jay's like, no, no, I've talked to them, but I don't know. No, I remember Jay. I remember Jay. I'm telling you, I know we talked. I know we did. Yeah, see, Tim, I, I, I'm on to Tim. That is Tim's uh, sly little. um, There you go. Checks in the mail, Tim. Checks in the mail. Tim's. uh, I'm gonna back the man. Smile right there. We had like a ten dollar wager going the other night. We were actually talking, doing a podcast about an episode, episode two, and I was like, Jay, what, what, you know? So I I think that's gonna go down. It's just one of the big. I'm gonna, podcast mysteries I'm gonna find it i'm gonna find it i know it's right. out there all right well welcome again and thank you so much and i'm glad jay is here this time to speak with you all so it has been a little while so can you catch us up on your current working circumstances and i i think i heard that someone retired so i just want to get the scoop there from you you all yeah, I retired in right before the COVID shutdown, like a week and a half, two weeks before the COVID shutdown. Okay. So I went from 100 miles an hour to being locked up in prison. So it actually gave me a very good understanding of what our criminals go through. There you go. So I have much more empathy and compassion for our guys that get locked up. That's quite a shift. Yeah. To go from your busy schedule like that to COVID. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, as far as that goes, there's a lot of people that suffered a lot worse than I did. So yeah. And what about you, Mitzi? What's the latest on your job? Yeah. I mean, I I survived COVID. That was a 
That was a very hard time to be a police officer. The only good thing I can remember about uh, working during COVID times was zero traffic on the freeways. So, and luckily, you know, we got a new captain and he reinvigorated the cold case unit. And so he, he put me in charge of it. And so it's about 12 reserve officers working now on cold cases. So super cool for me because it's my passion. I know it was Tim's passion. Mm-hmm. It was our, our joint sort of passion when we were working there. So, so super exciting and, and super fun. And hopefully, you know, I'd like to retire out of that unit doing that, doing what okay. I love to do. So, yeah, sure. I actually have a job now that when probably 75% of the department hates to come to work, I actually love to come to work now. So mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty fortunate. I'm pretty fortunate for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do your expectations of your, your daily work shift when you're just working cold cases as far as Um, what you're going to get and your you know not productivity but do you have to set a different mindset you kind of do I mean you have it you you're only as good as as your motivation so it's it it could be a job and Tim and I have seen it it can be a job where you can get people in there that realize like hey I'm I'm kind of it's up to me if I want to work this case and how hard I want to work it. And so yeah. you can be that kind of detective or you can, or you can, you know, choose to come in there and, and work your 10 hours every day working on the cases. And that's what I like to do. It's, it's a little bit hard to balance for me right now because I also have to, to have the managerial aspect right. of the people that come in when yeah. Honestly, I'd love to just work the cases because sure. that's <laughs> what I love to do. And then right now I'm in, I'm in trial on a case one of the last big cases that Tim and I worked together uh, okay. were in trial. And, and actually the the storyline of last season's Bosch, which was oh. the apartment fire case, that's what we're in trial oh, now wow. on. So, okay. So it, it's it's a it's a balance, but yeah. but I still I still love it and, and the days go by very quickly. And on Monday I'm happy to go back to work. So yeah. And so I guess the uh, safe to say the new or technology, does it really sort of reinvigorate the the investigation? Yeah, that's the thing is like when Tim and I were working the cases years ago, we were using the newest technology that was available to us. And we had pretty much thousands of cases gotten to the point where either they produced a lead or a suspect for us or they didn't. And now with, you know, that's the great thing about science is it just keeps getting better. Yeah. And the techniques get better and what's available to us. So now we're, we're actually taking all those cases again and looking at them to see and reevaluating them to be tested with the new science and using things like genetic genealogy and things like that mm-hmm. so Crazy. um wow. yeah so it's kind of breathed new life into some of these cases that we had pretty much closed or thought yeah, we would have to right. close or, because we had worked them to the end and and now it's kind of like well maybe not so that's kind of cool now tim being retired could you still get called in on the trial? What are the rules there? Um, yeah, you definitely can be called in. You know, as far as the nice thing about working, you know, so long with Mitzi, I mean, I, we worked my last, what, 15 years together. So mm-hmm. she covers me for our trials. And so it's okay. only a, an as-needed basis. But, okay. you know, and I think this kind of goes back to, we haven't really seen it on Bosch yet, but your real dedicated detectives don't mind coming back in uh, and testifying. As a matter of fact, it's it's rewarding whether you solve the case 
or in this case, you know, with Mitzi working cold cases, those homicide detectives that retired with an unsolved case, those cases wane on your heart. They're, they're empty answers. Yeah. So a new detective solves the case. There's no jealousy. It's just rewarding that somebody uh, took on your mission and carried the torch. Yeah. And if, if you need to come to court, you come to court and you do what's right. That sounds like and you. It, yeah, and, and kind of like piggybacking on Tim, like Tim yeah. had, Tim had, Tim had a case that from the, from the day I met Tim was to sort of heart case. He had connected to it. It's that, it's that case that just bothers you. And, and I know it broke Tim's heart to retire and, and have to leave it, you know, sort of unsolved, but just as Tim was retiring, we were getting this new science and this new like genetic genealogy and stuff that's kind of breathed new life into, into the case. So it was then my goal in, in not only to honor the victim or to speak for the victim, but to honor my partner. Right, right. You know, that I had worked so many years with and 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 I knew how much it meant to him to, to try and do whatever I can with that case and solve it. So that was one of the first ones that I took up personally. I didn't let any of anybody else work it because I felt mm-hmm. that connection to Tim and the connection to the case. Sure. So, you know, I'm still crossing my fingers on that one that I can, you know, Tim will be my first call after, yeah. you know, yep. if I ever get any news, you know, tell yeah. him the news. So right. it's such a strange life. I can't, I can't fathom it. You know, having these things that maybe bugged you years ago, they stick with you. Find out your former partner, Mitzi, is now doing cold cases. Are you like, Mitzi, do you remember the one blah, blah, blah? blah? Can you look into that one too? I just feel like, I don't, man, what a strange life that is. That's got to be hard. It's, it, it all, I think it goes down, goes back to the individual. I mean, every detective is different. Every detective's commitment is different, but for those detectives that really put their heart and soul into their cases, especially when it comes to homicide, it is. It's one of those things that I'll be in the backyard mowing the lawn and a song will come on from the era of when this murder occurred and my mind just starts going right back to it. But I also know that the case is in good hands. Now, if it wasn't in good hands, I would be picking up the phone and trying to motivate somebody to do the right thing mm-hmm. for the right reasons. But there is a sense of calmness that comes over me that knowing that Mitzi has it and, and knowing that I'll get the call. Yeah. But it's interesting. And it, it's just one of those cases that weird things come up, like mm-hmm. I'll have a dream. And then a day later, Mitzi will call me and tell me something that's going on about the case. Oh, wow. So yeah. that's the weird stuff on that case. Yeah. It's just, yeah. You're just so in tune with it. Yeah. Um, it's part of you, sort of, I guess. Yeah. But like what? even with this season with Bosch, there's reference to the three Jane Does mm-hmm. that are sitting on his desk. Yeah. Right. So I think through talking to Michael and the many hours that we've spent with him and sharing our passion for cold cases along with all the other detectives that Michael speaks with, that, those pictures have a direct connection to not only the department and to the, the victim's families that are feeling a loss, but it also goes to what Harry's going through. Mm-hmm. And I okay. think Michael does such a great job in, in relating those stories. And then Titus, obviously, just the way he looks at those pictures, you see the mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. For sure. What's the reaction though when years later something is solved? Are you guys just like relieved? Are you like, yes? I just what what does that feel like? Because obviously I can't imagine. 
So, I mean, there's got to be emotions, but is it just relief? Are you excited? Are you vindicated? Yeah. What, what is that? You know, there's there's a kind of a different level because it depends on how much heart and soul you put into a case. Some cases come a little easier than others because, you know, you might get a case that, you know, is a DNA hit, you get it assigned, you already know the suspect, you open the books, you kind of read about the case and it's great, but it's, it's pretty much solved. But mm -hmm. then there's those cases like the ones that Tim and I are talking about and the one that's in trial right now, Burlington Fire, that took, you know, three years for us to solve. And there were days when we all wanted to quit because it was so hard and politically it was so tough and we were getting, you know, just crap from every angle. And it would it would have been very easy to say, you know what, you guys take it. I don't want it anymore. Like this is this is more than I, you know, bargained for. Mm -hmm. But then you remember, we remembered, we, that's, we always talk about the, the tamale, the little tamale girl, because she, she died in the fire and her story touched our heart. So when we would get bitter about that case or, or how sort of unfair things were going, you know, one of us would say, Hey, this is, this is about the little tamale girl. And so that case, when we finally solved it, I mean, not only, you know, were we stoked because now everybody was off our ass because we solved it, mm -hmm. but, but it was also, we're talking 12 victims, you know, and, right. you know, 25 years at the time of going unsolved. And so I know for me, it was, and for Tim, I know we were so proud to have been able to do that when it had, it had been something that hadn't been, been done for so long so it's also it's also interesting that when you work cold cases and you know Mitzi and I work cold cases for a, a long time is that each case is different and each mm -hmm. each suspect is different each victim's family is different so as far as the there's an old saying that we kind of came up with within our unit is that there is no winners in cold case homicide mm -hmm. because you can have and this is just a hypothetical but you can have a case where an 18 year old goes into a little mom and pop liquor store and kills the owner of the liquor store and it's a very immature violent action that this guy mm -hmm. took but he got away with it for 20 plus years mm -hmm. and in those 20 years we've had these cases where the suspect actually grows out of his immaturity and creates a life for himself and is doing the right things for the right reasons as, as well as he or she can possibly do. And then we come in and we solve the case and we're doing the right thing for the victim's family and their loved ones, but we're also destroying another family. Sure. Oh, Jeez. Uh -huh. So I think, you know, over a period of time, I think to do the job correctly is that you have to have compassion and empathy for both sides. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And, 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 and that, that compassion and empathy, because I don't think everybody has it really, but I know for sure Tim and I do. It's kind of what keeps you awake at night. And, and again, to kind of bring it back to Bosch, and especially with Maddie coming on the job now, you see in the first season, she's driven by what she experienced through her father. And she's trying to find herself. What kind of cop mm -hmm. is she going to be? Mm -hmm. And you see that she leads with her heart. Yeah, yeah. And that's the good kind of cop. But it's also, as Mitzi said a little bit ago, that those are those type of police officers sometimes don't sleep too well at night. Mm -hmm. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. That's a good segue to where I uh, wanted yeah. to go next, because mm -hmm. I was going to say, you know, in Bosch Legacy, we see Maddie as a boot. Is that really what they're called? Boots? Yes. Yep. 
I would not want to be called a boot. <clears throat> um, I think that's the idea. <laughs> right. Kind of a two-part question. What was your experience like as a boot way back when? And any similarities to kind of some of the stuff we're seeing Maddie go through? Go ahead, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, both the Tim and I, when we meet in, the, meet in the, the writer's room, you know, most of the time we just tell stories about our career. And I know both of us talked a lot for Maddie's development about the experiences that we had as boot officers. And so, yeah, a lot, uh, you know, a lot of the, the things that she experienced sitting in the front row, uh, having to get all the gear from the kit room, your TO sort of being really hard on you until you prove yourself. That's all very realistic stuff that, that we have to go through and the stuff that is important to the riders and to Michael and to Tom to, to get right, you know, to keep that sort of realistic yeah, Bosch is known for being one of the most realistic yeah. shows, and and we take pride in that. I know it's for Tim and I, it's the biggest compliment you can get is for another officer to come up and be like, "Oh man, I watched Bosch, and it, you know, that's the most God, you guys nailed it, and, and it's 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 right on." And it's like that's the biggest compliment to us as police officers because we're you know we're doing it right, but it's also a compliment to the production and to to Michael that they put the emphasis on getting it right on, mm-hmm. on, that, oh, absolutely. on that being important, you know, I received a, a lot of times, like Mitzi was saying, we get either direct comments made to us, or we get a lot of emails or text messages from, from officers that are, are fans of the show. And I received a text message the other night from, he's pretty much a legend in, in LAPD. I mean, he's, He's been around a long time. He's retired now, but he's pretty incredible. But I'll share you what he wrote. Um, if I can find it really quick. Um, oh, I know I have it here. You got too many text messages. Stop texting him so much, Mitzi. <laughs> no, it is not me. This is, this is what Tim is doing to you now. I had to deal with for 10 years. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I it so, um, Give me the story. <laughs> he sends the message at like almost 10 o'clock at night. And us retired guys don't stay up that late anymore. <laughs> he said, capital letters, episode six. And spoiler alert, just in case. Officer down, dot, dot, dot. My heart raced and tears came next. Mm-hmm. Perfectly done. Congratulations to everybody that participated, especially you and Mitzi. That's Thank awesome. You. That's, that's um, great. Yeah. And again, that's our motivation. And the motivation to do it right and to share with not only the writers and Michael, but also the actors. And there's yeah. a lot of times we'll be on set and they'll be getting ready to go into a certain scene. Mm-hmm. And we have developed such a strong relationship with the, the actors that they'll come over and they'll, they'll ask us, you know, have you ever had something like this? Right. And you tell them a real quick story. Mm-hmm. And then we sit back and we watch how they just do such a good job you know, uh, representing law enforcement. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, it was funny. There was one, Tim and I were at a city council meeting or a city police commission meeting once and I'm standing up against the wall in my suit and some lieutenant comes up to me and he goes, ah, you look like that lieutenant on Bosch. And he was talking about Aquino and I was like, okay. (laughs) I was like, okay, yeah, I, 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 uh, you know, I emulate her. <laughs> it was funny in my mind. It's like, well, I'm doing it. I'm doing something yeah, right then. For and, sure. For sure. Well, from a, a technical perspective, I was curious about like the choreography of the scene where 
so many law enforcement officers and SIS, you know, try to arrest the James Sharp character. Do you all get involved in that sort of choreography piece of how that plays out, all the different players? So kind of what we do is it all starts in the writer's room. You know, we'll tell the story and the writers adapt it. And then it's kind of like a funnel. It starts with a, a broad idea and then works its way all the way down to the base of the funnel is on the day of filming. And on okay. that on that day, a lot of times when the writers initially start their development of a scene, they have an idea of what the location is going to look like, but the mm-hmm. location hasn't been picked yet. Okay. So in this situation, from what the writer wrote to the actual location that was used was a little bit different. And so we had to tweak our tactics on the day of of the shooting. And on that day, I was there and working with the different officers there, we actually had two off, two of the officers that were in uniform were actually LAPD officers on their day off. So it's wonderful when we work with those guys, we'll actually recruit them because Mm -hmm. we can just make little changes really quick and they catch on and it becomes very, very real. But yeah, that's, that's our big job. Yeah. Yeah. Telling stories is fun, but on the day we got to get it right. Yeah. And so they, they ask us to do that. Okay. Yeah. That just seems like so many moving parts in a scene like that. And I'm just like, ah, how do you get it, get it all right. And that I can see how you're saying having actual police officers participating would facilitate sort of, you know, that process for sure. All right, Jay, what do you have next for him? What's the hardest thing that the actors, I guess, have a tough time getting? You know, is it a procedural thing, how to hold a gun, how to breach a door? Like, what's what's the one thing they, they have the toughest, I don't know, way to get it done? Handcuffing. Really? Handcuffing. Okay. Handcuffing. Wow. You know, it's it, Tim is right. They, the handcuffing is hard. but And that goes across the spectrum, even on shows that Tim, Tim and I have done, uh, other than Bosch, you know, sure. the handcuffing yeah. is hard. But, but also, sometimes it depends on the, the individual actor. Mm-hmm. Some of them have you know, hard time with the guns or the running or whatever, you know, it, it, it depends on, on the individual, but yeah, handcuffing gets everybody. Wow. Right. I want to learn how to handcuff someone because I feel like that would be so easy. I don't like here. But you get, you're going for, you're going for speed. You got to get them on quickly. You can't be messing around and you can't, and you don't remember, you don't get to use two hands. You only get to use one hand when you're cuffing because the other hand you have to right. control the, you have to control the individual so you only have one hand so it sounds easy in theory what, what's so hard about handcuffing somebody but really and and it's probably tim like we spent hours on cuffing in the academy hours on okay. cuffing and handcuffing so yeah it's uh you know and you're trying to teach an actor in 15 20 minutes so yeah yeah oh man that's interesting i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought that would that be the answer that's very that's very interesting but as you talk about it it certainly makes sense do you do much consultation with say Mimi or or non-law enforcement actors for if they're say in a scene in a prison or or what what types of scenarios might you consult with a with a non-police officer actor I know with Mimi I I did take her I did take her shooting because she had that opening scene where she Mm -hmm. and she's a pro I mean (laughs) she she didn't have any problems shooting but Tim probably on on set probably worked with her a little more on stuff tim i'm not sure yeah i mean again it's on a case-by-case basis it depends on what the scene is and then what who's the actor that's involved but a lot of times actors seem to want to get their backstory 
um, what's motivating them for this scene. And so on the day of a shoot, sometimes we'll get sought out again to tell them, you know, a little story or would they'll ask a simple question, would I be sitting here or would I be sitting here? Or how would I, you know, if you're in a prison, am I have my arms crossed or am I standing in a lot of times what Mitzi and I, cause there is no right or wrong answer in a lot of these situations. So our comeback is what do you, what do you want to do? Okay. And if they, you know, share something with us that puts them in a, a dangerous situation, we'll oh. pull them back a little bit, but we always try to feed what they want to do and then guide them from there. Okay. That makes sense. You could sell it better that way. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's what the actor's feeling already, you know, that makes sense to them. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Jay, your next question, we touched on it a little bit, but get to that one, that one aspect. Yeah. Uh, we talked about, you know, how you guys get the feedback and how that must be rewarding. And, you know, obviously that text message, a great example of that. And while I know you're not necessarily doing it for that reward or praise or whatever, what, what kind of brings you back to doing this each year? What's the fun part of this job for you? What's the, oh man, I love that kind of moment in this job for you guys. To me, it's just a hundred percent opposite from what I do on a daily, you know, it's, I mean, it's related to what I do, but it's the job itself is completely different than what Mm -hmm. I do. So it's an escape from police work. Okay. And it's an opportunity to be good at something or to try and be good at something other than what you have spent 27 years doing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and try to get better and, and know the, you know, when Tim and I both started, we knew nothing about Hollywood and, you know, and to learn like the hierarchy and how things yeah. work and where you stand. And, and so to me, that's the fun of it. It's just kind of, it's, it's not really like work. Okay. It's not really like work at all. So right. um, Tim, now that he's retired, does it more, a lot more than I do. So okay. Okay. maybe different for him. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, I, that's a, actually such a great question. The, the thing that I think, and I think this will resonate with Mitzi also, is I've personally had a 20 plus year relationship with Michael Conley. And he's been so gracious to, to take me and then obviously Mitzi and Rick Jackson on his journey with his books and now with the various television series. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the motivation is just giving back to him and, and just being honored to be a participant. But over, you know, we're going into almost nine years now or, mm-hmm. or nine or 10 years. There's, it's our second family. Yeah. Uh, it's a good point. Yeah. Together and you miss these people when, when the, the show's not filming, it's, sure. and thank God for text messages and we stay in communication, but they're an extended part of the family and it's not okay. just the, the actors or the writers, but yeah. it's the people behind the scenes, sure. The, sure. the crew members. And it there when you go to set, like Mitzi was saying, it's so different than going to LAPD. Sure. Sure. It's actually a lot of fun and it's hanging out with your friends all day and doing cool. something. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. Well, you know, we have a game for you, but. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot about the games. <laughs> but we do have one more question before that, if you have the time. If you could give, pick one piece of advice that you would give someone actually entering the police academy and also one piece of advice you would give an actor who wants to play a cop on TV, one of each. For me, going into the academy, be coming physically fit. Okay. Like work on your your running and your push-ups and your sit-ups before you get there because the actual academic part of the academy is so difficult okay. that if you don't have to worry about your physical fitness, 
right. it puts you ahead. Okay. And for a, somebody trying to play a cop, it would be command presence, just to have that mm -hmm. command presence. Fake it till you make it type thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it. How about you, Jim? For the academy, I totally agree with what Mitzi's saying. I would say one piece of advice is every contact that you have, mm -hmm. start off with respect. Start Anywhere. off with respect. Yeah. And the second part of it is, and this was told to me, uh, you know, 35 years ago, is that when a citizen is yelling at you or is showing displeasure, upset, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. they're not upset with Tim Marsha. They're upset mm -hmm. with the uniform. So go. don't take it personally. Learn okay. how to create that callousness as far as to protect yourself and mm -hmm. don't let your ego get involved. Okay. Um, then as far as an actor on set, it would be don't fall into the Hollywood traps rather than repeating what you've seen on other police procedurals. Seek out somebody that like Mitzi or myself or another law enforcement officer that will tell you the right way to do it. Okay. And that way we get more realism in, in, sure. in the shows that we watch. Sounds like. Good, good advice. All right, Jay, you're up with, uh, I don't know if you want to do, you had a little bit of a trivia, I think, and, and we have a game. So I don't know what order you want. We have a little game. We'll end on the game. But one of the other things I wanted to do with you guys before we let you go was, you know, your consultants for TV. Uh, and in this world of technology, there's this thing called Wikipedia. And so if you look up stuff about the LAPD, there's there's all kinds of stuff. But what cracks me up is the main like article on Wikipedia. It even starts, this article has multiple issues. So I'm like, <laughs> who could we go to to find out if it's right or not? So I said, hey, I'm going to ask them some questions from Wikipedia. We're going to find out if what's posted is accurate. You guys okay with that? Obviously, we're not going to give away any secrets or something because it's whatever's on Wikipedia anyway. But let's let's start with this. They list all the different division numbers and which police station it is. So I'll just ask you which what uh, police station is division number three? Do you know? Southwest Division. Oh, that's a point for Tim. Come on, Mitzi. Don't let him win. No, that's about, it. No, no. Oh, I didn't know we were going for. I thought it was a team thing. I didn't know I was. It's not to really a. You know, it's not really a contest, answer. but we're gonna make it a contest. Yeah, Jay's gonna make anything a contest. All right. How about how about number sixteen? Foothill. Oh, Tim, where are you, man? I you wanted to just I, do that. To that's you? showing a good partner. I I let oh, him. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch things up and I'm going to radio codes. What is radio code 37? Code 37, code 37 stolen vehicle, vehicle. Stolen vehicle. Oh, that's and, a tie. <laughs> uh, what, if, what if it's also a code 6 Charles? Felony suspect. Felon. <laughs> All right, how about code, hold on, code 8. Code 8, ooh, that's code a hard eight. one. Code 8. I got him, Tracy. <laughs> you, got, you got me. That is something to do with the helicopter or our, our flight. Uh, this says code eight is a fire reported in an area of high fire hazard or threat to firefighting personnel. Yeah, you know what? We blew that one. That's a fire oh, I, department responsibility. Yeah, I didn't blow it. I had no clue on that okay, one. Okay, Wikipedia, <laughs> we got to take that one. In my out. entire career, I've ever had a code eight. I can say okay. that. Oh, this one sounds cool. How about a code five? Surveillance. Uh, stay out of the area. You're on a surveillance, like a surveillance. Yeah. Gotcha. And which code number allows you to respond immediately with lights and siren to location exempting you from having to worry about some traffic laws? Code, code three. three. And while you're at the codes, 
I didn't know what is code four because they call that during isn't that what they call during that takedown? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and they'll also do like the fingers, like four. like if you ever see in the in the show that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I have. It yeah. just it kind of means it's all we're all good here. Everything's taken care yeah. of. I don't need okay. anything. Yeah. Okay. We got a code for the situation's taken care of. Got it. Okay. So it seems like most of this is legit, but there's a couple of things they threw in here, I guess, you know, so people could know about it, but they, they couldn't confirm. So I guess I'll use you guys. It says here that the LAPD briefly had a Lamborghini. It was loaned to the department in 2014 to promote the air support division. Not sure how Lamborghini has anything to do with air support. You know what that, there was a time and it was around that time. It was when Chief Bratton, no, it was Beck too. It was the transition from Chief Bratton to Beck. And, and they still probably do, but they had parade, they called them parade cars. And at the time they had a convertible Mustang. They had the Dodge Charger fully decked out before it was a police car. It was before they were in our fleet. And we actually, I don't remember the Lamborghini, but they had a Hummer. And we took all, there was a big LAPD sort of historical, uh, we did like a museum in Vegas for, uh, for the California Homicide Investigators Conference. And we showcased a bunch of our popular cases and we parked those cars out front. So it wouldn't surprise me that if there was a Lamborghini, okay. I drove the convertible Mustang up to the conference. And I can tell you, people were like, what in the heck is this convertible <laughs> Mustang police car? <laughs> That's but, cool. uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Okay. 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 And then one more car kind of question, something that started in 2003 and they have no idea if it's still used or not. They used to be a cruiser with one Adam 12 markings used by the central division to huh. reward officers for outstanding duty performance. Still in use. Never heard of it. What's the deal on that? I've never heard that. Cool. <laughs> Yes, guess they don't do that anymore. And then finally, <laughs> finally, who's the longest serving commissioner of the LAPD? Commissioner? The chief of police, I'm sorry. Chief of police. Oh, chief of police. Yes. Oh, Gates. 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 Then if you guys are right. Hmm. We have uh, William H. Parker. Oh, is it Parker? I thought it was Gates. It sounds, I'd go with Pinsley and Oh, I'm going to go internally because God knows who wrote this online. <laughs> you never know. You never know. That's the thing. I, I trust anything you see online. Yeah, when the question was written, but I thought it was Gates. That's interesting. All right. All right. Let's get to the game. You ready for the game portion of it now? And I, because I think they're tied after that. That was not a game, but I think they're tied going into Oh, now. Um, so we're, we're actually playing against each other, huh? Yeah. And I, I'm not sure that we've even determined how we're going to know which answer is right, but <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go. Because we felt like we needed to play some kind of like be the detective kind of game. So we just have some kind of off the wall questions where you're going to have to use those detective skills that you guys have to, uh, I guess, figure it out. Do you, you want to start, Tracy? You want me to start? No, you go ahead. You okay. go ahead. Question number one, we're going to start off with an easy one. Someone stole a sandwich out of the cast cooler on set. I need you to tell me which one of these people is the victim and which one would be your suspect, Maddie or Honey Chandler. Those are your two people. Who's the suspect? Who's the victim here? Victim, Maddie, suspect, Honey Chandler. Quick. You quick. sure Tom Bernardo's not in there? <laughs> As the thief? Hmm. What's Tom? <laughs> is Tom Bernardo wouldn't have the sandwich because he orders all his food from HelloFresh or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh. 
Oh, dang, she's paying attention. Look up, Tom. That's the thing. You get some good scoop out of these games. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Michael Conley's car was stolen. He saw two people in the area, Crate and Barrel. Who is the thief? I think it was Barrel because he probably didn't realize it was Michael's car. <laughs> he probably thought it was his own. <laughs> I can buy that. I can buy that. Now, what he thinks about that answer, we're going to have to follow back with him on that. Be like, you know, he said you weren't smart enough to know his car. <laughs> whose car you're in. No, I just, he needs, sometimes he has vision problems. On the <laughs> it's too late. You can't, you can't qualify that statement. Can't undo it, Tim. Can't undo it. <laughs> same, same answer for you, Mitzi. You got something different. Oh, oh, uh, well, now that you're going to, now that you're going to the source, you're going to rat him out. I'm going to go something different. <laughs> okay. okay. Someone is disturbing the peace while shooting a scene, causing someone Titus. to... Titus. <laughs> Hang. <laughs> wow. Okay. He's causing... So who's forgetting their lines then? If Titus is the, the uh, suspect, who's the Ooh. who's the victim? Um, who's getting their lines? It, oh, God. We have to really roll on somebody who's forgetting their lines? We well, they it. all do. We already know that. We already know. <laughs> but there's some that forget more than others. I'll go with me in season one. Oh. Oh, I love it. Now, now, make Tim. Tim should answer the way we wrote the question all the way. Yeah, who did you choose? To, I forgot. Oh, we had okay. So oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All right, disturbing the peace while shooting a scene, causing someone to forget their lines. Who's the victim? Who's the suspect? Between Coltrane and Stephen, who plays Mo. I think Coltrane. You know, I can't tell you how much he's delayed shooting because he forgets <laughs> his lines all the time. <laughs> Just bark under the bus. Wow. Wow. Ah, poor Coltrane. Oh. He's very dedicated, but he's got to take potty breaks and Lex, loving breaks. Lex focus. But, you know. Loving breaks. Yeah, there's okay. loving. Well, everybody loves that dog when he comes like, on set. I'm so. sure. Oh my gosh, I would. We we have a little Coltrane's corner now in the podcast. Because, oh, do you? Yeah, we love awesome. him so much. So, and it's the dog's name Brady. The actual dog's name? He likes to stay in character when he's oh, on set. So oh, he's method. He's method. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's method. <laughs> All right. I think That's a pretty good answer. Right. Someone stole the director's chair. You guys know for a fact Titus is guilty. You know it. However, you just don't have enough evidence that you'll be able to get a conviction. So you can only get that conviction if you get him to confess, how many questions slash how many hours will it take you to break Titus? It really depends on what his motivation for stealing the chair is. If it's just playing a joke on the director, he'll roll in a heartbeat because he'll he'll uh, he'll bring you into the joke. Yeah. But if he's gonna take it home, <laughs> that is that secret is gonna die with him, and he's gonna lawyer up. He's gonna lawyer up. Do you concur, Mitzi? Hey, Titus is a Titus is a, he's a tough you know come on he's Boston and all that I, I think yeah. it's going to take many many hours it depends how much he is is committed to the chair yeah. <laughs> there you go how much he loves that chair oh, he right. loves he it loves he loves chair. it a lot yeah, we, we ain't get we ain't Not getting, getting it, it. Not yeah. getting it. He's, he's gonna lawyer up well of course there's no actual right and wrong answers but I, I think you both did did very well but I, you know, listen, I really wasn't going to pick a winner, but I, I think I have to pick Tim, the whole Coltrane thing and the method acting and, uh, you know, ratting him out for needing the potty breaks and stuff. Yeah. That, that one put him over the top? Yeah, I, think so. the okay. I think so. I think so. 
Right back at you. I mean, the consistency with your interviewing skills from the first time we were on together to now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, Tracy. Oh, my God. Oh, we, we should definitely talk more often. I, I, yeah. Tim, Tim has won the grand prize. I don't know what it is, but Tracy's going to send it to you. Come up with something. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for your time. You, you guys always have the best stories. And awesome. yeah. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank, thank you. You guys have been become part of the L or the Bosch family. So oh, thank you for everything you do. <laughs> well, we enjoy it. We enjoy it for sure. Thanks for hanging out with us for a while. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to fly out there one of these times. You guys are going to have to teach me how to handcuff people because I'm really... That's, really on your, that's on your bucket mind. list now. Yeah, I'd like, I, I'm out real. Of, I got to go. Really out of, out of everything you want to do, that's what you want to do if you come out here. <laughs> Jay's all about the wind. He just, yeah. He wants people. to be. He wants to make sure he's better at it than I am. So we're gonna. Well, well Jay, you sh if you shave up, we'll put you in a uniform and you can play one of the background officers. I deal, deal. Shuffing on, shuffing on TV. Right. <laughs> there you I'm go. in. I'm in. All right, y'all have a Thanks, good weekend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Talk Bye. To you. Bye. Bye.